Welcome to MedTech Stories. I'm your host, Vishali. Our guest today is Monsi Marate. She is the Senior Director of Strategy and Corporate Development at Tandem Diabetes. In this episode, Monsi shares how she took a very unconventional path and transitioned her career from technical roles to strategy and corporate development. Listen in to see how she did that just by raising her hand and jumping right in. I've given kind of our audience a little bit of background about you, but really wanted to start from the beginning. So can you tell me, you know, where you grew up and kind of how your um, personal and professional life has really progressed? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in India. I came here for college uh, and have been here since then. Um, and I think it's been over 15 years now since I have been in the med tech industry. I started off early on in a technical role. So I was in product development, then moved on to uh, product management. And then most recently for the last, uh, I'd say about seven, eight years now, have been in strategy, corporate development type of roles. Um, so it's really kind of um, been an interesting journey for me to work in kind of various functions within the med tech field. Um, and then I live in San Diego uh, with my husband and we have an 11-year-old daughter. We're definitely uh, an outdoor family. We love uh, we love San Diego and kind of all the, you know, the trails and the beaches and everything it has to offer. That's awesome. So um, I also was born in India, but came when I was six. So, you know, how was your transition? What compelled you to come to the States? I think it for me, it was just kind of, uh, I wanted to kind of further my education. And so that sort of drove me to that. Uh, I came here, I wanted to get a master's degree. This was in 2002 when I graduated. And so it wasn't necessarily like a boom time. I think the dot-com bubble had burst during my college years at Medtronic and had the chance to work there full-time. And so that's kind of um, made me sort of stay longer term. And uh, certainly, uh, I'm glad I did. Growing up, did you kind of know you wanted to be in medical devices or was this purely coincidence? Definitely a coincidence. I think it was pretty, pretty sort of organic. Um, if you'd asked me, you know, by training for my undergrad, I was I was in computer science. And so um, I, I think my dream job would then have been kind of in a big sort of a tech firm and, uh, or an internet company. And that's, that's what I thought I would do. Um, and as I said, you know, I think when, when I was graduating in 2002, it's just, you know, the, everything had changed by then. Um, and I was very grateful. I had the chance to go work at Medtronic then. Um, and that certainly kind of opened up a whole new kind of door for me. I, I felt like um, I was working at that time on CareLink, which is Medtronic's uh, remote patient monitoring system for implantable cardiac management devices. And so um, it was definitely an opportunity to work on something that was pretty cutting edge at the time. Um, so I never felt like I missed out on the kind of the technology aspect of it. I felt like I could work on something that was pretty novel and cutting edge. And at the same time, just the the impact that it had on people's lives. I, I truly felt like that was uh, just a phenomenal kind of beginning role for me to just thought I was fortunate to be able to do that. Nice. So after you kind of got your foot in the door and started working on really cool technology, um, I know that at some point you also got your MBA from Wharton. So 
how did all of these pieces fit in together? So I, for me, uh, when I was at, at Medtronic, I had kind of started gravitating towards roles that were kind of more product planning, product management oriented. And I was sort of doing um, those things without necessarily a whole lot of formal training and not that you need to have formal training. Uh, but I wanted to do um, kind of something beyond that. So I wanted to start looking at roles in strategy or corporate development. And that's where I felt like um, some of the formal training. But uh, to be quite honest, I mean, it's also kind of the network that you get from going to business school. And so I felt like maybe uh, just kind of the, the opportunity to do something like that um, would help me sort of further down in my career. And so that's, that, that's what drove me. Uh, to pursuing an MBA and kind of uh, that's that's when I went to uh, Wharton. Yeah, I know you and I have talked a lot about MBA, like, do you do it? Do you not? And really along the lines of, you know, formal training and kind of having that confidence. So do you feel like there was also a level of um, like, yes, absolutely, you could do it without an MBA. Um, but do you feel like it really gave you the level of confidence and network and, you know, other things that you feel like really helped progress your career? I think so. I think like, as you mentioned, I think just uh, a certain level of uh, confidence in, in your abilities when you go through a program like that, I think just the network that you build. Um, and I think certain career options, like I always say, I don't think you absolutely need to have an MBA, but if you do, it does kind of make that path a little bit easier. Uh, particularly for me, um, you know, wanting to go from sort of product management into wanting to do uh, corporate strategy uh, and corporate development, that was definitely, uh, you know, a, a big sort of jump um, in terms of the function that I had before. And so in that way, I felt like definitely um, going to business school was was helpful in that regard. So I think two questions. One, it seems like after business school, you really made that jump into like corporate strategy, corporate development. But even before you came out of business school, it sounds like you knew you wanted to go into that. How did you weigh those options, right? Like going from computer science to um, like med tech development to corporate strategy. How are you thinking about those? So I think now it, when I talk about it, I know it sounds sort of very deterministic that I had it all sort of mapped out. And I, I don't think it was quite as clear to me. I think it was maybe one possible path that I wanted to explore. Uh, and I felt like, um, you know, again, going to business school uh, might be one way for me that that door sort of opens up for me. Um, and I think that sort of got reinforced a bit once I went to business school. So I wasn't necessarily thinking that I would major in finance, for instance, right? And that just sort of, I got in and I got really interested in that, that, that field. I've always been sort of quantitative and good with numbers. Uh, but that's just something that I thought, oh, this is really interesting. I want to do that. And then that kind of went into, well, I, I actually like thinking about valuation and I like venture capital and I want to, you know, look for a role that that involves both strategy as well as corporate development. And so um, it definitely sort of happened organically. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily that I had it completely mapped out, but I just wanted to give myself more optionality, I guess, for the future. So then coming out of Wharton, I think you joined Qualcomm, right? So tell me a little bit more about that experience and um, then also moving over to Philips. 
Yeah, so Qualcomm was really interesting. Um, I wanted to get into strategy and corp dev, but I did not want to do consulting or banking, <laughs> uh, which is sort of the the feeder pool, if you will, if you want to get into um, into standard sort of corporate strategy and corporate development roles. And I think nothing, uh, obviously, I think those are great fields. Uh, for me, I just uh, I had a young daughter at the time and I didn't want to travel uh, necessarily every week. Uh, and I just didn't kind of see myself in, in, in kind of the banker lifestyle as well. Uh, so Qualcomm really was, was interesting because I had the opportunity, the, the way that group is set up at Qualcomm, you have an opportunity to do both strategy work as well as get involved in transactions. And so I just thought that was a very interesting opportunity. Um, it also allowed me to not kind of completely break ties from healthcare. Um, and so that was something that I wanted to kind of uh, just, you know, have, have one foot in always. Uh, because Qualcomm at the time when I joined, uh, Qualcomm Life was one of the divisions of Qualcomm and they were looking to um, kind of make investments in wireless health technologies, uh, acquiring IP as well as, you know, we acquired some businesses in that, in that field. And so um, it, it sort of always allowed me to certainly work on, you know, other things, uh, but at the same time, kind of stay, stay close to healthcare. That was a, that was a big, uh, big appeal is just, just to be able to do kind of both. So then how did you think about leaving and, and coming to Phillips? Yeah, so I think this is going to be sort of the story of my my career path. It's a lot of it has been sort of organic, uh, in the sense that you know I've followed kind of people that I've you know known from before. Um, in in case of Philips, um, the opportunity sort of came to me uh, through a former colleague of mine from Medtronic, and uh, you know I just kind of found out about the opportunity. It was a business development role. It was very transaction-oriented uh, compared to kind of the, the, the strategy, corp dev, sort of a more balanced role that I had before. Um, and I, I was quite interested in kind of getting into a more transaction-heavy role. Uh, and I just felt like that would be an opportunity for me to maybe sharpen that, that skill set a little bit even more. Um, and it wasn't just acquisitions. We were looking at venture investments. And so I got the opportunity to work on some of those. Uh, there were partnership deals. And so it just kind of, I think for me, um, I was looking for uh, just just kind of honing that skill a little bit more. I really enjoyed kind of our conversations about, you know, when you were looking at the full landscape and telling me, I think it was a very new landscape and you were like, yeah, I'm spending the next two weeks just wrapping my mind around like, <laughs> you know, whatever the new technology was and and really just diving deep and understanding it and um, becoming an expert um, in that regard. So I, I think it sounded really, really fun. Yeah, definitely uh, a learning curve, I would say. Uh, I mean, in some ways coming back to MedTech, but uh, at Medtronic, my focus was in cardiac rhythm management. And so now coming back uh, into Philips in the image-guided therapy group, certainly kind of different domain. Uh, within still within the med tech industry, but just uh, uh, some catching up to do. So I was, I was really, again, uh, uh, grateful to have that opportunity. And so now kind of coming full circle, well, a little bit full circle to uh, Tandem. I mean, I think Tandem's doing amazing things too. Um, so tell me more about kind of what your role is there and how you're thinking about it. 
Yeah, so I tandem, uh, I did, I did again follow somebody that uh, you know I had worked with in the past, and I think in some ways that's that's something that I always say to people: is just kind of keep keep those relationships. You know, when you leave some some company, you know, you always you have your colleagues, and I think in some in many ways, you know, that's that's something that you know will uh, throughout your career, you know, you can go back to certain people, and that's that's always a great thing. So for me, it 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 was something that came up. Um, pretty organically, um, I wanted to go, uh, you know, I, I wanted to look at diabetes, uh, for sure. I, I wanted to enter into the diabetes space. And so this was, this was, um, definitely on my radar. Um, and I just, again, I, I think it's just, um, if you look at high tech sort of diabetes devices right now, I think it's one of the standout growth stories within med tech. And so, uh, just the opportunity to sort of come in. It's also interesting because it's there's certainly kind of the devices uh, part of it, um, but it's also very consumer centric as opposed to kind of image guided therapy or CRM kind of where I came from, right? So there's a consumer aspect to it. Um, there's certainly a big digital health component to it, and so kind of the intersection of all that, I think that made it uh, super appealing to me. So I'm really I think it's it's a it's a great opportunity that Tandem has uh, right now, kind of in front of us, and I'm really kind of excited to see where things go. It's uh, definitely a disease and a problem that affects a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm sure you know my family has has some pre-diabetic uh, tendencies, and you know, it's it's all over the world. So it's definitely a a really good value proposition across the board. From a personal or professional perspective, like what's an accomplishment that makes you really, really proud um, when you look back and and tell me a little bit more about why? So I think one uh, accomplishment for me is just kind of making that transition from a technical role into strategy and corporate development. And uh, for me, kind of doing that in my own way. Uh, that's something that I, I kind of feel proud of because I, as I mentioned before, I didn't necessarily want to kind of take the traditional path of working in banking or consulting, which, you know, end up sort of being a feeder pool. Um, I wanted to do it uh, sort of in a different way. And uh, so that's something that I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I'm quite proud of. And uh it just kind of, I put myself in a position that just uh, allowed me to sort of create that path for myself. Was it scary? I think in the beginning, yes. Uh, and I think in the beginning, I had to sort of raise my hand and just put myself out there. So even when I joined Qualcomm, um, initially, there was more focus on strategy heavy projects, which is kind of, you know, my prior background at Medtronic, you know, I had done strategy work before. And so, um there was more focus on that. Uh, and then I, you know, I had the opportunity where I know that, you know, my boss at the time was working on a certain deal. And, you know, I just, you know, I kind of raised my hand and I said, you know, I noticed like there was a lot, there's a really com complex sort of model that needed to be worked on. And I just said, you know, I can do it. I'm happy to do it. And that's kind of how I got involved in it. And then I got involved on that deal. And then I started getting involved on diligence um, projects. And then I started kind of leading diligence for certain deals. And then I got kind of then progressed into leading deals sort of soup to nuts by myself. Um, and then of course, I've been doing that for a while now, but it just kind of one thing sort of led to other. 
Um, but in in that sense, yeah, initially uh, it was a it's 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 a bit scary when you're kind of putting your hand up and you know uh, putting yourself out there for for something like that. Yeah, I mean, I can relate because I also transitioned from engineering to marketing, and I'm pretty sure looking back for the first you know three or four years. I still told myself like, oh, it's fine. You can always go back to being an engineer. <laughs> like it's it's okay. There's no like real risk here. Um, and you know, lo behold, I haven't been an engineer in a while, but um, you know, I, I still think it was pretty scary for me too. But you're right. I think taking that step and just saying, like, hi, I'm I'm here, um, I'm happy to help is really the biggest step that anybody can take, right? Definitely. Uh, you have to kind of think of it, I feel, in incremental ways. Um, so it's it's not as, as scary. Actually, on that note, um, there's a professor at Stanford called Professor Carol Rubin, and she just published a book called Connect. One of the things that she talks about in that is, you know, change takes time. But if you do like 15%, you know, outside of your comfort zone, that makes it a lot easier versus I'm going to swing the other side of the spectrum completely. So it sounds like that's really something that you're also describing. And I also kind of did. Uh, for sure. And I was actually, uh, I was, I was going through, um, you know, we, we have these uh, leadership courses at Tandem and, uh, you know, we were talking about sort of change management and how, you know, how we can facilitate change as leaders. And I think that sort of incremental way is a, is a good way to look at it. Uh, I also think from a personal career development perspective, right, um, you're, if you're changing things in your personal life and then changing things in your professional life, like all at the same time, that can also be overwhelming. So just kind of how you look at change um, and, and pacing yourself um, is, is also something that uh, you know, we can be mindful of. It sounds like that was a pretty significant risk, but would you have done anything differently um, in the way that you did approach it? I, I don't think so. I think in, in terms of just general risk taking, I feel like I I have tried to be, you know, want, you know, certainly tried to take some some aggressive kind of uh steps, uh, but also been kind of realistic, uh, not setting um certain goals that I, I just feel like that might be kind of too far too too soon sort of thing. Um like just as we were talking about from a career perspective, right? I feel like um, changing one thing at a time sort of makes sense. If I'm taking up a new role, um, either change the function or change the, the company. Um, if you try to, to, to change both at the same time, um, A, I think it's just hard, right? But that's, that would be a hard thing to, to even pull off, but then just um, or get into. And then if you are into it, then it's, it's you know, the learning curve is obviously going to be that much steeper. So kind of, kind of look at it kind of piece by piece um and and look at incremental ways that you can still take risks um but be um sort of rational about some of the steps that you're you're taking i think the one thing that maybe sort of early in my career i i feel like that's probably one area where i could have taken on a few different roles i think i was focused on and in some ways um i was fortunate that i had opportunities to um, get promoted and sort of move up uh, in within the career ladder and kind of make progress in that very traditional sense. Um, 
Uh, and I think that, you know, I had focused on that and maybe not necessarily thought about trying a few different roles uh, because I think especially early on in your career, um, it's good to, to sort of move around and try a few different uh, types of roles. And I, I feel like that's maybe something that I, I could have done. And I, I think I, I took a little bit of a um, a bit of that tried and tested sort of thing where it's, you know, you're working and advancing in a particular role and in, in, in moving up the sort of corporate ladder. Uh, so I think that might be something I'd do differently. And do you say that from the perspective that trying out different roles would have given you more breadth, leading you to maybe being a stronger corporate strategy development person or from a personal development perspective that you maybe wanted to try out other things too? I think from a bread perspective, right? So I think uh, maybe the opportunity, for instance, like like I go back to, you know, 15 years ago or so when I was, you know, more working in individual contributor type of role um, or even like at a manager role, like it's still pretty early on in my career. Uh, they're, 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 you know, there's, there's opportunities to, for instance, to um, work in regulatory or for instance, if there's an opportunity to do work in clinical, I think those are areas, I mean, obviously, as you advance in your career, um, it, it's not like you, you know, every, anything is particularly kind of shut out, but it does, it, it's, it's, it's harder uh, because certainly you're expected to come in and know that space really well and kind of make contribution right from day one. Um, so I think certain amount of breadth, uh, you definitely have the opportunity to get that early in your career, which is why I think um, that's maybe one area where uh, as you asked me kind of what I might do a little bit differently, right? In terms of the risk taking, um, it, that might be one. Yeah. I have a unique situation in that I've been kind of getting that breath through jumping into each of the different roles that I've jumped into. But, you know, how do you recommend people get that breath? Do you think like rotational programs or do you think diving into different projects and roles? Like, what do you think? I think, I mean, rotational programs to the to the extent, you know, wherever you are, like if they offer those, I think that's that's great. Uh, I think sometimes you just have to create one for yourself uh, and just just make a make your own rotational program right uh, within an organization. And uh, yeah, I think and that's why I also feel like it's something it's it's easier to do it early on in your career um, because there is a, a little bit of a you know, there's, there's more patience uh, for uh, for that learning curve. And so I think um, just just taking a bit of a risk, uh, obviously you want, you know, you, you, there is a, uh, there's certainly an element of luck involved where you, you want to, you want to come across people who are going to give you that chance. Um, but I think, again, if you don't try, then it's not going to happen at all, right? So just kind of put yourself out there a little bit and, um, try some of these, uh, you know, try to work in different functions if you can. I also want to ask, you know, in terms of risk and doing things differently, is there anything that you can think of that you did really differently from kind of your peers uh, in strategy and corp dev? I think maybe the one area where, and it's just kind of based on my experience, uh, not to sort of generalize this at all, men do things a little bit differently is that, you know, they kind of tend to put themselves out there a little bit more. Uh, I think as women, sometimes we feel like, you know, we're, we need to maybe check, 
you know, I feel like I need to check all the boxes and make sure I'm meeting all the criteria, you know, whether you're kind of applying for a job or asking for kind of a new assignment. Um, and I think um, I, I feel like in many ways, men kind of um, certainly have that ability to project a lot of confidence. Um, and you might find women who kind of have the same type of skill set or training, but um, might project a little bit differently. And I, I think what I want to say uh, for sure is you don't want that misplaced confidence either. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want to be sort of so incremental that you, you know, miss out on opportunities that could have been yours. So kind of like self-rejection, um, like self-rejection before you even submit the application and have somebody else decide. Right, right. Taking yourself out of consideration because, um, you know, either you're too afraid or you just you just feel like everything has to be perfectly you know, you have some sort of checklist in your head and you feel like you have to check all those boxes before you move from like A to B and then to C. And then um, it's it's interesting when I was in uh, Medtronic, I remember I was I was an engineer at the time and I wanted to be a product manager. And so in my head, I was like, OK, I'm a I'm a software engineer. So the first step is I need to be a systems engineer and then I can be a. Pro so I had it really kind of incremental in my head. And then from systems engineer, it'll be easier for me to become a product manager. And um, I was fortunate enough. I, I was I was having this conversation with, with the GM of the of the group that I was in. And he he basically just told me, like, that's kind of like a bit antiquated way. And this was, you know, 15 years ago where he just thought that that was an antiquated way of thinking and you just want to do product management, just go do it, right? Um, so I think it's um, sometimes, yeah, you, you want to be rational, but I think um, in terms of kind of what's achievable, uh, but I think you also don't want to be so incremental that you're kind of shutting yourself out of opportunities that, that can be yours. So how do you do that for yourself today? It's a great question. <laughs> I think for me, uh, you know, kind of now I, I, I see this as um, something that I can hopefully kind of uh, pass down to my team uh, that they feel that, you know, they are able to kind of go for opportunities in a way that, again, is not sort of super incremental, that they feel um, there's an atmosphere where they can take some risks, that they can kind of come up with new ideas and are able to sort of pursue them. So. Uh, I find myself in a little bit of a different position now that I then start looking at it from the point of view of others. And, you know, I've had certain, you know, the, the, the person that I mentioned to you uh, at Medtronic who kind of encouraged me, like, go from like straight from A to C. You don't have to kind of map everything out A to B to B to C. Um, and so just in my own ways, kind of trying to now do it for others on my team or just kind of others within the company. I had a similar mentor that suggested similar things to me. So I, I definitely think you know, that's also the premise behind this podcast to kind of share those stories and encourage other people to hopefully our listeners, you know, somebody's sitting there listening and thinking like, <laughs> oh, I'm a systems engineer. I can become a product manager and it's it's OK. I don't need to keep going down this route. The other thing I want to kind of t discuss is also one of the conversations you and I have had is really you think about things right now as it's a great time to be a woman and it's a really great time to like take advantage of all of the, um, you know, societal factors that are really pushing us um, forward. So 
Can you expand on that a little bit more and tell me how you're thinking about it? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, that's, um, I think one of the things I, I always like to think about. So I personally, like, I, I don't want to kind of think of myself in a disadvantaged sort of position. So I always like to think about, you know, everyone I think has a unique perspective, right? We have our own stories and our own skill set, right? It's something about you that makes you kind of fully unique. Um, and so I think there's something that everyone can kind of bring to a particular role. So I kind of always kind of come with that sort of mindset. I've, I've always had that. Uh, but I think particularly now, I do feel that, you know, it's a, it's a great time to be a woman. Uh, I do feel like, you know, I know there's, there's more work to be done for sure uh, in the future. Uh, but if we look sort of historically, uh, I also feel like a lot of progress has been made. And so uh, I feel kind of very encouraged when I, when I see that. I think, uh, you know, we, we were talking about this earlier, um, you know, it, especially for young women, right? I think if you're looking to enter into certain fields that have been, you know, traditionally male dominated, I think there are a lot of incentives now. And there's a lot of companies that are certainly looking for women, uh, particularly to enter into STEM areas or, you know, other fields that might be, again, historically sort of male dominated. Um, there's a concerted effort uh, by a lot of businesses to look at kind of the makeup of their leadership teams, um, kind of what that composition looks like, and then having sort of broad representation within those leadership roles, kind of even at the board level. And so I think with a lot of these types of initiatives um, that you're seeing in the business community, I think it's a, it's, uh, I feel encouraged to see that. And I, that's, that kind of makes me feel like it's, it's a good time to be a woman. Yeah. So um, shifting gears a little bit, I also want to talk about kind of mentorship and leadership. So who do you turn to for inspiration or mentorship? A lot of it has been from colleagues that I've worked with in the past um, and people that I trust, right? So somebody who I feel can kind of step back from the situation, whatever situation I'm in. Uh, and can give me an objective sort of opinion, right? Uh, and not necessarily just kind of what I want to hear, uh, but maybe also what I might not want to hear or might not like to hear, right? So I think that to me is is the key. Um, it's just kind of figuring out, you know, who those people are, who you trust and who are going to be, um, you know, you know, honest with you um, about any particular situation. So I think it's a lot of that. Um, I also think, you know, generally, I, I, I think there's always this discussion around mentors and sponsors. And I do kind of believe a little bit more in that sponsor sort of thing, because I, I do feel like um, the mentoring thing in, in some ways, it, it can be, uh, although it doesn't have to be, but it can be perceived a bit sort of one way, like you're asking somebody to kind of take you on under their wings and, you know, for whatever reason, and then um, you're sort of benefiting from their experience. And, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's certainly um, ways to do that. Uh, but I think um, in the sponsorship sort of model is where I think there is a lot of, you know, almost like a, I feel like a level of pride that some of the sponsors have in seeing kind of the people that they sort of bring up along, you know, with them in their careers, right? Um, and, and just kind of seeing them grow in that way. Um, and I think it's it's not uh, I mean, it's it's a it's an interesting difference right? Uh, kind of between mentorship and sort of more the sponsorship model. Um, but to me, at least the way I perceive it is that there's a, this more of a sort of a give and take 
in the sponsoring model, whereas the mentoring feels a more of a you know, kind of take me under your wings sort of a approach. And so I've, I've kind of stayed a little bit more on the uh, look for people to be more more sponsors. Uh, and then uh, when it comes to sort of advice and mentoring, it's been more about kind of colleagues really uh, may not even necessarily always be in roles senior to me, but just people, just people, my peers. Uh, in many ways, kind of going back to them um, for advice and who I know will uh, kind of give me uh, an honest view. Yeah, it's a really great point you bring up about sponsors, because that also has a direct correlation to really how successful you are and they are, right? Um, Assuming that they're kind of in the same company, right? Because there's a mutual benefit um, to both of you (laughs) succeeding and ensuring that you're in the right roles and in the right, um, you know, uh, level and and all of that combined. Yeah, I I think so too. And I, that's why I think it kind of, uh, it kind of, in some ways, um, bringing each other up right through the process. And uh, I feel like if there's an opportunity, um, and again, it's not like you go and ask someone, like, will you be my sponsor? And then they say yes, right? It just, again, it happens very organically. Uh, but I think, you know, there's, there's ways, obviously, like if you're adding a lot of value um, to someone and if they are in a position that they feel like, you know, kind of championing you um, is going to be sort of successful, certainly for you, but successful for them. I think that's that's a great way to kind of um, build that that sort of relationship. Yeah. Um, I would ask, you know, how do you get a sponsor? (laughs) Um, But what I think I'm hearing is that if you do your job well, and if you build a strong relationship with, you know, others at your company and others above and below you, um, you know, sometimes that can happen more organically too. Yeah, sometimes it can happen more organically. I mean, I've seen people certainly who do it, you know, whether it's some sort of affiliation, right? you know, people who've gone to sort of same schools are from same towns. And there's, there's always like some element of something like that. Um, I, for me, you know, it's, it hasn't necessarily, you know, that's not how it's happened when it's happened. It's, it's been more about kind of just, uh, um, you know, trying to sort of prove my value to certain individuals and, um, and then kind of have it be a little bit more organic from that point on. Thinking about, um, leadership and kind of thinking about sponsorship as well. But um, I think, you know, great leaders have the innate ability to make important decisions without having maybe 100% of the information that they need to to make that decision. And I feel like that goes even further <laughs> in your day-to-day role, right? So how do you think about making decisions and what's your, you know, secret sauce and your secret process for doing that i think it's 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 all the time right (laughs) that's kind of the job uh it's just it's one of those things i think you know dealing with sort of uncertainty or ambiguity is uh is every day right that's that's kind of the job um and i think certainly i mean there are some technical tools that we use right we do kind of scenario planning exercises and we look at you know you always want to look at sort of uh, what the critical uncertainties are. Uh, so those are things that have sort of a high level of impact as well as a high degree of uncertainty. Um, and we, you know, we have sort of the 
the, the tools and the methodologies to then sort of look at, you know, what are maybe some of the signposts that we can track uh, to see which scenario is going to manifest in the future. Uh, but it's not an exact science, right? It's there's certainly, you know, you can, you can apply some tools, but, you know, a lot of times it's kind of your experience in the industry um, and just your instincts that you have to sort of rely upon. Uh, and then you have to have some contingencies in place if uh, things don't go out the way you think they're going to go out. So I think there's some amount of certainly kind of formal uh, scenario planning or, you know, certain formal tools that we we always, you know, we use. Um, but hopefully over time, you know, you can you can do that with, with some instinct um, and then look at, you know, what kind of plan B or plan C should be if things don't go a certain direction. Have you ever had a scenario where you've had analysis paralysis? Like, did you ever have that early on potentially when your instincts weren't as well honed? Yeah, I think that's a, and I think that's a great question because it does happen sort of maybe a little bit early on uh, in your career. Um, I think there is, there is a desire to sort of prove everything out with data. And I think particularly um, maybe in, in, in my case, or, you know, others who have made that transition from a technical field, right? Like an engineering field where there are clearly sort of right or right or wrong ways to do things. And there's a right answer to something and there is a wrong answer. And you feel like, okay, you know, I just, as long as I have all this information, um, it's going to jet out something uh, and you can demonstrably sort of prove that why that's correct. And, and that's just not how it works, right? Uh, when you when you look at it from the business aspect, uh, it's not an exact science. Um, and so I think initially, certainly there, there was the need to, there was the inclination to use kind of a lot of data um, and have, which I think you should absolutely do that. It's not, but I think at some point, you know, the data is going to tell you a certain story, but you you'd have to use your sort of instinct and your understanding of the of the industry. Uh, to make some calls that, you know, you're not always going to have perfect data to say that that's, that decision is what you should, you should go and, and make. And uh, frankly, the data could change too, right? Uh, I mean, you could, you could end up, uh, you know, um, you know, whether it's pursuing a certain acquisition or, you know, pursuing um, a certain organic strategy and, you know, at the, at the time it would make perfect sense, but then maybe, you know, some data comes out that maybe is not as favorable and, you know, you didn't quite see it at the time. And then, of course, you know, things have changed and then you need to sort of course correct and see kind of what's the best option going forward. Um, so I think that adaptability is, is, is pretty important as well. Out of curiosity, so given that this is how you handle kind of work and business decisions, um, how do you handle personal decisions? I I mean that's that's the whole other thing, right? And especially when you have like a tween, uh, I think it's uh, there's, there's always uh, I think you have to you know you have to make decisions. I think anybody who's been on the parenting journey certainly you know like this 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 kind of unknowns, right? I mean you can't you you kind of make the best decision that you can. You you do what you think is is best, uh, whether it's like for your family or for your kid and. Um, and then you have to kind of trust your instinct on that. I have, uh, you know, three closing questions um, that I like to ask all of our um, guests. So 
first one is what is your greatest leadership superpower um, and how have you honed it? So I, I, I will say it's it's always a work in progress because when I think of like superpower, I, I don't I, I don't ever feel like I, I have it fully uh, conquered or anything like that. But I do feel uh, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but just kind of that ability to deal with ambiguity. I think that's something that, you know, over the course of my experience, I feel like I have, I have that ability to do that now. And then what advice do you have for other women that kind of aspire to be in like leadership positions? um, And what would you tell them to kind of do? So I think early on in your career, if you are able to get the breadth of experience that we talked about, again, easier to do when you are an individual contributor or, you know, maybe early manager type roles. So definitely, um, if you have the opportunity, try to get some of that breadth early on. Uh, that's that's very helpful. Um, and then I think kind of build a support system for yourself. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't think anybody can kind of do everything by themselves. Uh, and so just having that support system for me, you know, I've been fortunate enough where, um, you know, my husband is, is uh, very supportive. Um, I had family when my daughter was younger, you know, they kind of helped out uh, with caring for her a little bit so I could focus on um, kind of my career at the time and, and still make sure that, you know, I had, I had some sort of a balance. Um, and so I think there's, there's that sort of support system. Um, and not everybody has that, you know, maybe in the way that I, I had it, right? I think everybody's support system is going to come from different ways. Uh, but I guess I would still say like for young women, I think that's, that's, that's important to just kind of know. Um, and it's okay to, to do that, to have a support system and, and to rely on kind of whether it's your family or whether it's your friends to kind of help you. Yeah, I think I was very fortunate uh, as well, kind of growing up, hearing from my mentors and friends that you should, you know, have that breath, but then also don't be shy about being vulnerable and kind of having people help. It's it's okay. <laughs> you don't have to be a one-man show. And it almost reminds me of that saying of, you know, if you want to go fast, you can go alone. And if you want to go far, you kind of need the the team, right? Did I say that correctly? I think so. I don't know that specific one, but no, I, I totally get the, uh, the the message of it. I, I absolutely feel like, yeah, it's, it's you know, you have to have your sort of, um, again, that, that support system. Um, and I think early on, particularly in your careers, like for a lot of women, if you're, you know, your kids are young, that's also a time I think I've heard, um, uh, Indra Nui kind of talk about this. And I, I just thought like she was so kind of spot on about it because, you know, that is the time that you you have to kind of maybe travel a lot or, you know, in that sort of, um, you know, maybe early manager type roles where you you kind of have to put in a lot of, um, you know, hours maybe into your work or maybe you have to travel a lot. And that's also kind of coincides for a lot of women at the time that they're having kids. And so it's just, you know, you can't always, you know, do everything all by yourself. And so to the extent you're able to kind of build that support network for yourself, and if you have it, certainly use it. That's just something I'd say for all women, uh, look at how you can build a support system for yourself. And then final question, um, who is your role model? And uh, why do you think that they've made an important impact? So this is a bit of a personal example, uh, but for me, I mean, I have to say my mom, 
Um, it is, I, I mean, I, she was just, uh, she was a dynamic person. Uh, I, you know, she wore kind of multiple hats. She was a teacher. Um, she was also, uh, we had, you know, several family businesses that she ran. So we had a pharmacy, we had a restaurant. Um, she also was a, like, she acted in some commercials just like as a hobby, uh, to me, you know, in in my view, certainly, uh, she was just extremely kind of a dynamic personality, um, and just kind of an eternal optimistic. And that's something that, you know, I am not kind of always that way. Um, and so for me, I feel like, um, you know, that's, that's the quality, like that spirit sort of helped her, uh, to any of kind of ups and downs that sort of came along. Um, and I just feel like, you know, that's something that I, I definitely sort of aspire to, uh, to do that. What compelled her to do all of those things? Was it more of just like a, just do it. I'm curious. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Some of it was. I, so she taught for like 20 years. She was a school teacher for 20 years. And then, and then she, um, she kind of took like a, like they had like a voluntary or like an early retirement or something like that. And so she took that. And then, so, and then she, I think she, she kind of went through a phase where, um, you know, she did, she did nothing for a year and then she's like, okay, I'm bored. (laughs) And so I'm going to do something else. And so, you know, then we had like, you know, we had a, like she opened up a pharmacy and then, you know, we had a kind of a restaurant business. And so she just kind of, I think uh, one of those people who who definitely uh, was pretty dynamic and just kind of, very optimistic through, um, in kind of just taking new chances, um, always. That's awesome. No, really, really good to hear. It's, um, you know, very different, um, for everybody, but, uh, she sounds like a really, you know, positive and optimistic, fun person to, to have as your role model and to be your mom. Definitely. Uh, like I said, I think the, the sort of the, um, you know, push through everything and be kind of that eternal sort of optimist. As I said, you know, that's, that's the sort of spirit that I'm um, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not always that way. And so I feel like, you know, that's something, if I can aspire to that, that's, that's something I'd want to. Well, thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. And, you know, I know that our listeners will definitely get uh, lots of nuggets from this and inspiration. So um, at the very least, you've you've em- embraced the internal optimistic uh, personality throughout the past hour. So I'm excited to kind of see that continue. But yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Ishali. I enjoyed it as well.